Hello, friend. We are always in motion, constant motion. But is it conscious? Welcome to In Conscious Motion, a podcast created to help us grow in awareness so we can stay in motion, even when we feel like we're standing still. My name is Faith Christine Bergevin. You can call me Faith. In today's episode, we talk about making the unconscious conscious. Is this even possible? And how the future-driven concepts, fate and destiny, are influenced by the unconscious parts of ourselves that we sometimes call our blind spot. How we navigate fate and destiny is anyone's guess. Perhaps it's why we all want certainty. Life is just too uncertain, it seems. What will happen next? God only knows, we can find ourselves saying. In this episode, I share a tool used in psychology to help us look at both our conscious and unconscious biases and how these biases impact our lives. You may want to pull up the written essay as a visual reference. Now, the title on Substack is slightly different, just to be difficult. It's called, Your Blind Spot May Be Blocking Your Destiny. Listen how we can reduce our personal blind spot. Perhaps it's the one main way we can learn to exercise some level of control on this sometimes confusing and surprising journey called life. Making the unconscious conscious on fate, destiny, and the elusive blind spot. This is a quote from C.G. Jung. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. End quote. My therapist once said, fate is what happens to you. Your destiny is what you make with it. Or something to that effect. I had questions, many questions about why things seemed to be happening to me, bad things, and I didn't understand what I was missing. I thought I was a good person. I gave my kids attention and nurtured their interests. I helped others by offering counseling, free at the time in fact. I tried to be considerate of others. And yet, surprisingly large challenges kept coming at me that were inexplicable to me. The idea of fate and destiny having different intentions and structures was new. If fate was what happened to me, it was something I had no control over. But destiny, my therapist said, this is something you can do something about. Okay, I said skeptically. In Jung's quote above, he invites us to increase our self-knowledge and reduce our personal blind spots, our unconscious parts of self. We are in a constant dance between the actions we take that result in certain consequences, both seen and unseen, and navigating the things happening to us that often seem to have no rhyme or reason, what we might call fate. A wonderful image I used in my master's capstone project to complete my degree is the uh, Johari window. It illustrates simply and effectively levels of awareness in relation to aspects of ourselves known to us and others. 
Two psychologists named Joseph Luft and Harrington Ingham created this nice little diagram. And this is where it might be helpful to have it in front of you, but if you don't, I'll just describe it. So the Johari window is basically a square divided into four quadrants. The top left is the quadrant known as the arena. It is the part that is known to self and known to others. I'll explain more in the moment. The qu second quadrant, the one on the right but at the top, is the blind spot. It's the part that is not known to the self but is known to others. The bottom left quadrant is known as the facade. So that's the parts of ourselves that are known to the self but not known to the others. And then the fourth quadrant, which is the bottom right, is the unknown. So that's the parts of ourselves that are not known to self and they are also not known to others. So that in essence is a descriptor of the Johari window. So the window is divided into four quadrants like I've just explained. And these four quadrants offer a framework for understanding conscious and unconscious bias that can help increase self-awareness and our understanding of others. So the arena, so that was the first one. So this is the quadrant that is the part of your life that you know about yourself and that is also known to others. So an example might be your job or that you have three kids. This is the part of your life that is open that you and others are aware of. The next quadrant is the facade. So this quadrant is the part of your life that you are aware of, but that remains hidden from others. You are not willing to share this with others. Perhaps you have a substance abuse issue or a secret that you think others might judge you for. This is the facade. The third quadrant is the blind spot. This quadrant is interesting because it is here that there is something about yourself that you are not aware of, but others are. Perhaps they've become aware of it by being around you and noticing something that they have then confirmed for themselves, but you don't know it. An example might be having an explosive temper or pretending you're just friends with someone you are clearly in love with, but can't or won't acknowledge, but is evident to those who know you. And then the fourth quadrant called unknown. This quadrant is the unconscious as it encompasses any aspects unknown to yourself and others. This, my friends, is the mystery in life of things that may or may not one day be made accessible to you in your awareness. An example might be talents you have that are buried underneath unresolved trauma and no one, not you or anyone who knows you, could imagine even exists. So, areas to work on. The arena is an open book, nothing to do with this here. It's either evident due to facts or lack of shame. Nothing to do or grow here, just accept. It's the open book part of your life. The facade is an area to consider. Sometimes it makes sense to keep things private. After all, no one needs to know all your business. We are entitled to privacy and our secrets. However, if there are secrets and or behaviors that are causing shame or isolation, 
like dealing with a troubling relationship with alcohol or other issues, my hope is you seek some support on them. Rule of thumb is this. If it's not causing you or anyone else harm, then keep that private if you wish. That's the facade. The blind spot. Ding, ding, ding. This is the mother load. This is where we look for growth, where we seek to reduce the size of this quadrant so we can live a more conscious life, one in which we are not being driven by lies we are telling ourselves. What lies can you possibly be telling yourself? Maybe you are in love with this person but are too afraid to tell them. Maybe you have told them and they don't feel the same and yet you hang around and keep hoping. But your hope keeps you locked in and not able to see outside the tunnel vision of your desire, such that you miss the one waiting to date you, to love you. The unconscious is a big mystery. Who knows about this one? How to unveil what not you nor another can see? Does it even exist? My best guess is that as we work to shrink our blind spot, we open ourselves to new possibilities that we didn't know were possible. 10 years ago, I never would have imagined I'd have chosen to go back to school to get a master's degree. This was not in the plan. I was a mom to a five and nine-year-old. Being a stay-at-home mom was my life. Six years ago, I would never have imagined that I could enjoy dance so thoroughly that I'd want to combine dance and therapy to share with others. Back then, I was crumpled in a ball in a chair in my therapist's office. We don't know who we are until we decide we're worth figuring out. Who can know what lies in the unconscious? But how do we start? Again, by tackling the elusive blind spot. So here are some tips. First, be curious about your behavior, how the behavior of others affects you. If you have a strong reaction, ask yourself why. If this is a trigger from a long ago wound that needs tending, what does this remind you of? Who does this remind you of? Keep asking yourself. Get a quality therapist. It can be a daunting task, but even just meeting up with someone who can ask you some probing questions can get the ball rolling, and it can really help. Read. Months after the rape, after finally completing my master's capstone, I began consuming all sorts of articles on dating and relationships. Okay, I'd been married a long time, but never really dated. A lot of what I read was not great, but each article led to new ideas, thoughts about who I am and what kind of relationship I want to have. And some articles were exactly what I needed to hear at the time and provided the aha I was looking for. Reading helped me shrink my blind spot. Journal. For those of you who are writers, this may come easy. Or not. Stream of consciousness is a way to find out what lurks in the shadows, waiting to come out and surprise you. Keep moving. In my dance therapy workshop recently, after a writing exercise, one of my participants said, I had no idea how easy my ideas would flow after dancing and moving my body. And finally, I'll end this with a reminder from Henry Miller. 
a truth about life that can make us feel like kicking and screaming in protest. I quote, Destiny is what you are supposed to do in life. Fate is what kicks you in the ass to make you do it. What's been your kick in the ass to get you asking those hard questions of yourself? Let me know. I have uh, three footnotes today. One is um, giving credit to a quote I used earlier about the Jahari window. So it was a really nice way of explaining the four quadrants. And so I quoted uh, from the Gartner Glossary, and you can find that on my Substack essay. And uh, it was basically saying that the four quadrants offer a framework for understanding conscious and unconscious bias that can help increase self-awareness and our understanding of others. My second footnote is just a little bit cheeky. Uh, I was talking about the unconscious and how it's a mystery and how do we find out about it? Like, how do you unveil what not you nor another can see? Does it even exist? And I just made a little quip saying, I love it when my inner existentialist comes to life because then I'm questioning all. It's like, how do we know what exists? It's like that, that, uh, that saying, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one to hear it, did it actually make a sound, right? And so what lies in the unconscious? Does it even exist? And I would argue that's our untapped potential. I mean, going right back to Jung, Jung is about helping us access our primordial potential so what we were born here to uncover and be in our lives and so um, basically we have this vast potential for a way of being in the world and that's pretty exciting also a little scary but exciting nonetheless and um, my next footnote is about getting a quality therapist so um, I didn't initially footnote this, but I wanted to make a comment about this here in the audio rendition in the podcast of this essay. It can be really hard to find the right fit. And I think the term finding the right fit is the best way of approaching finding a, a quality therapist. Maybe I'll do a post about this in the future, but just to start, um, let's just start with the money. It can be really expensive to see uh, a licensed therapist or a registered clinical counselor, depending on where you live in the world, how they're defined, or a psychologist. Um, but I think it's really important to point out that sometimes, you know, even if we can't afford to pay privately, there are low often low-cost or free options in people's cities. And it's worth checking out if you are struggling with something because even if you're working with volunteer counselors, usually they have been trained. Maybe they don't have a master's degree, but they have had some sort of training or direction. Um, and it can be helpful, you know, to just have someone there who's listening to you and who's 
giving you feedback and validating your emotions, this can be really, really helpful. So, you know, even if you don't have the money, I would suggest, you know, if you really are, you know, wanting to explore some things, this is an avenue you can take. Uh, if you do go for a professional, you want to make sure it's the right fit. I guess with volunteer as well, you want to make sure it's the right fit. If you prefer uh, a male or a female or a trans person, you know, you can ask for those things depending on who you are and, and, and what your preference is and what your comfort level is. And don't be afraid to ask for those things. And if the first person you talk to, you just, you know, you talk to them a couple times and you're like, mm, yeah, I don't think so, then there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, this isn't quite working for me. You can tell the coordinator that, um, or you can tell that to the therapist, or you can just not book again. I mean, this happens all the time. I think it's really important to know that you do have choice um, and that it doesn't have to be finding the perfect therapist. You know, sometimes we go through a few before we find someone who's a real good fit. So yeah, I just wanted to say a little bit about getting a quality therapist. And uh, finally, the, the last footnote, so I guess there were four because I added um, the commentary about therapist. So the last one was really just a reference to Henry Miller's quote. Um, so for you listeners, you wouldn't know this, but if you have the essay in front of you, it just says that I emphasized certain words in his quote. Destiny is what you're supposed to do in life. Fate is what kicks you in the ass to make you do it. So I added those emphases. I hope you enjoyed this audio reading of my essay and the commentary and notes. If you would like to learn more about my work, please visit my Substack publication, In Conscious Motion. I would love to find you there. Thank you for listening. Be well.